Greetings, and welcome to the Jesus Freak Cruise podcast. I'm your host, Chase Tremaine, and with me is the Ricesness of Christ, good old Mark Rice, and uh, today's guest, Russ T. Ship, <laughs> which if you, it's like Russ space T dot space ship, but if you say it any faster, mm-hmm. it is his band name. Rusty ship, and I I have to ask, and I've been meaning mm-hmm. to ask this for a while. Did your what parents... does the T stand for? No, the T. <laughs> oh, uh, Theophilus. <laughs> no, no. Did no. Did your parents know they were giving you an awesome band name when they named you? No, they actually had no idea, and um, they actually came up with the name Russell when they were running out of ba- uh, baby names and they were looking at the credits of back to the future and they saw the name Russell and they're like, I kind of like that one. <laughs> That's <laughs> a true incredible. story. Russell yeah, it's who? pretty, it's, it's extremely less, uh, climactic than actually being named rusty ship intentionally. But, um, Man. so no, my parents did not know. Um, my middle initial for anybody who's wondering is Thomas T for Thomas. So at what point did you realize that there was a way to reorder your name to turn it into? uh... Well, I believe it or not, I went through most of my life with ever without even thinking about it until um, an annoying coworker brought it up one day because he just didn't have much. He was kind of bored at work and he was just coming up with variations of my name. And I was like, oh my goodness, how have I never thought of this? That's so good. (laughs) Yeah. That's like how uh, Christians were called Christians because it was like an insult. Or uh, Daft Punk also got their band name from a critical review, like a negative review of one of their live shows. And someone wrote in a Mm. newspaper that it was just a bunch of noise, a lot of Daft Punk. Wow. Oh, okay. That's kind of like know- uh, that's like Led Zeppelin too. They said it would go over like a lead balloon, and they changed it to Led Zeppelin. And you know what else started out as an insult? What the phrase "Jesus freak"? Oh, that's true. Perfect. Very true. <laughs> well, which leads, which leads very nicely into our first weekly segment, Chase. Uh, Chase, can you tell us what album we are talking about for our uh, Is It Five Stars segment? Yes, I'm excited to say that uh, upon request of our our very own <laughs> guest, Rusty Ship, uh, our website's namesake, Jesus Freak wow. by DC Talk, the seminal 1995 album. But before we start discussing it, I do need to introduce this episode's sponsor, which is The Lighthouse Events. The Lighthouse Events is a Christian concert ministry based out of Freeport, Maine, that puts on and organizes and promotes concerts throughout the New England area. So if you live anywhere near New York or Maine or Connecticut, this is especially for you. Uh, They put on shows all around the year. Currently, We've got some upcoming events from Stephen Curtis Chapman's solo tour that I would highly recommend. But even if you plan on just visiting the New England area this summer, there's two really special events that you should be interested in checking out. Worship in the Adirondacks and the River Rock Festival. 
So Worship in the Adirondacks is happening this June in the upstate New York area, and the River Rock Festival is happening first in Maine in early July, and then again in Kentucky in September. So these events are filled with artists that you would know from Jeremy Camp, Zach Williams for King and Country, Mercy Me, Manic Drive, We Are Messengers, Danny Yoki, Matthew West, Sidewalk Prophets, Mandisa. So these artists are going to be playing these huge festivals this summer that if you're anywhere in the New York or Maine or Connecticut areas, you're going to want to check these out. And you can do so by going to thelighthouseevents.com forward slash festivals. So go check out the details, consider buying some tickets, and make this a uh, website that you check often if that's the area that you live in and you want to be going to more Christian concerts. Also, one more thing uh, before we dive into the album. This week, if you're hearing this podcast when it's just released, is the last week to vote for the JFH Awards 2018. So head over to JesusFreakHideout.com. Right there on the homepage, you'll see the place to go to cast your vote, and we will be having another episode soon to announce who those winners are. So don't miss your chance to get your vote in. So, Jesus Freak. Mm-hmm. Um, we've wow. already had uh, some listeners request that we discuss this album, and and here it is, the album that within a year of its release, our our website owner creator uh, decided to make an album covering Christian rock music. A website covering Christian rock music. What did I say? He- you said an album. <laughs> yeah, I uh, words. Yeah. He he didn't make this album. Sometimes uh, I I he say, listened to it a lot. Sometimes I say yeah. the wrong books when I am <laughs> trying to um see my sentences. Um. So yes, is it five stars? Uh, Russ, why did you want to discuss this album? Um. Well, I was I was kind of shocked that it had not been discussed yet, considering it is the album of albums that <laughs> the website was named after. I'm like, wow, this one hasn't been covered. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for this one. Um, you know, this you this, and half our listeners. Yeah, right. I'm like, uh, well, yeah, I guys, I have to say, I am so honored to be talking about this album that I'm the guest on this, this one that we're talking about. Jesus freak. Um, this album you know, like you said, is the the seminal album. This this album was like the soundtrack of the '90s for many many people, and it was um, it was kind of like an anthem of a generation. It was a, a revolution for Christian music, in my opinion, and many other people's opinions. So, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, not only is this album five out of five stars, but I have to say, in my opinion, this is the greatest album ever created by human beings. Wow. High praise. <sighs> For a second, I thought you were going to say, not only is this five out of five stars, it's also six out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, if I could give it six out of five, I would. And I do. All right. Um, dang, that is such wonderfully high praise. It puts a, <laughs> puts a big old smile on my mouth um yeah so i mean well what were you gonna say chase sorry you go ahead 
Okay. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit younger. I think the album actually came out when I was four. I think it also came out when you were four too, Chase. Uh, we're three for me. The same. Three? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so the very funny thing is the first time I ever listened to this album in its entirety from start to finish was about two years ago. Wow. Which is really bizarre considering that the song Jesus Freak has been like my favorite song or at least one of my all-time favorite songs ever since I was in fifth grade. Hmm. So I, I, but I mean, I just never got around to listening to the album. Um, even though I'd heard like nine, I mean, there's 12 original songs on the album and, and then that, uh, Jesus freak reprise that is, I think a little weird, but I'll get to that later. <laughs> Um, I probably heard like eight or nine of them by the time I actually had listened to the full album. And that's mm-hmm. mainly thanks to intermission, the greatest hits, because that had a mm-hmm. whole bunch of songs on it. Yeah. Yeah. So can I, can I, I just mean, say for fr- a second that intermission, the greatest hits is almost a re-release of Jesus freak. Just with <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, a few new songs, a few free at last songs, and a f- and a few supernatural songs, and then almost yeah. the entirety of Jesus Freak. But sorry, right. continue. Mm-hmm. So even the first time I listened to it, it felt like you know an album that I had you know heard before. I don't think I'd ever heard uh, "Alas, My Love" mm. or um, "Like a Love Need It." No, I'd heard that one. Uh, what have we become? Um, what, what what was yeah that one? Uh, what have we mm. become? And I may or may not have ever heard "So Help Me God." Oh wow! But wow. I'd heard I'd heard pretty much everything else. Mm. Um, yeah. but yeah, Chase. So mm. what is your experience with this album? Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually I relate to your experience a bit because the point where I really seriously became a DC Talk fan was when I purchased intermission or when my parents purchased it for me, probably. And I wait, how old were you when you got it? I think fifth grade. Hmm. Okay. So, right. <laughs> there, right there, there we go. You. So there my, we go. my brother was the one who actually owned Jesus freak and supernatural. So I'm okay. sure I heard those albums. I also very clearly remember having like a VHS concert for the GS nice. Jesus Free Tour and a VHS concert video for the Supernatural Tour. So I'd experienced mm. all of the songs in some form and I had the CD for Welcome to the Freak Show at some point. But the only CD that I actively listened to was Intermission. So listening to Jesus Freak again in preparation for this episode i i remembered all the songs but in the case of what have we become day by day and like it love it needed i i really just remembered the choruses and the verses mm. yeah were extremely foreign to me mm. in terms of me as a 2018 dc talk listener can i just throw out there that um, it's Toby that's singing the uh, first verse of uh, Like It, Love It, Need It, right? 
Yeah. Toby sings most of the verses on the album, mm-hmm. actually. Something I didn't know for a long time. Because when I was a kid, I was like, okay, Toby's the rapper. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Michael and Kevin are the singers. And I would listen to In the Light over and over again and be like, which which one of them is singing the verses? I can't <laughs> tell if it's Kevin or Michael. And then eventually yeah. I saw a live video. I was like, oh, Toby sings? <laughs> <laughs> Yep. But anyway, I mean, like I was about to say that that first verse for Like It, Love It, Need It just has this really st- like almost hum- his voice almost sounds humorous to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in comparison to, uh, you know, it's this is a pretty serious album. You know, it deals with some pretty, you know, heavy themes, some pretty topical stuff. And it, um, as opposed to like Free at Last, which you know had more than its fair share of like comedic, kind of less serious moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the beginning of that song just felt almost almost comedic, just not just in yeah. the way that his voice sounded. But again, it's a very serious song, and I think that's one of the things that makes this album so good is just because it is a perfect balance of like the serious sub- subject matter and really important subject matter but it's also insanely enjoyable yeah mhm well and to add to that i think it's really interesting how you know they they deal with such heavy sobering topics like racism you know child abuse stuff like that but all throughout the whole thing, you know, they do scatter little snippets of humor in there, like the Mrs. Morgan track, you know, the Jesus mm. Freak reprise, and even like even like the little sound bites in between the songs. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, like it, love it, need it. There's like some humorous lyrics in there. The rap from Jesus Freak, I mean, no one takes that seriously. Man with a tat on his big fat belly, wiggle around like Marmalade Joe. What? What? <laughs> That's not serious? <laughs> Come Wait. on, that was the first rap I ever learned. He's, he's referring to a wiggling belly? That's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's like he he stole a line from some um, Christmas jingle about Santa Claus' belly and made it about <laughs> some guy with a Jesus tattoo. <laughs> it's Toby for you. His raps are just, I don't know, in another world. He's fun. Can I, can I just throw out there that when I was younger, like fifth or sixth grade, um, because of the line... At the end of that rap, um, he stood on a box in the middle of the city and he claimed he had a dream. I kind of thought that he was rapping about uh, Martin Luther King um, Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, me too. Oh, I never thought about that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, mine. But that makes no sense because he wasn't fat yeah. and I'm not sure if he had any <laughs> tattoos. I, I don't. And they, I don't and they wouldn't be green either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know in my whole life if I've ever actually seen anything that was close to resembling what Toby's talking about here. So I don't necessarily think this is something that the average listener can relate to, seeing a man with a, a big fat belly with a Jesus tattoo on his belly on a on a box in the street. <laughs> well, I, I would consider, I mean, we've we've seen like people on the street, you know, passing out tracks and with a bullhorn and, you know, shouting yeah. at you know, I think yeah. that's kind. That's kind of along the lines of what he was referring to there, as opposed to his yeah. second rap verse, which is clearly John the Baptist. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so you mentioned the 
the difficult, the weighty topics addressed in the album. Yeah. Something that was going through my mind today while listening, like how well do you think the racial commentary actually holds up 23 years later? Mm. Well, I don't know. I, I think it's... I, I mean, in, in my experience, I don't know that there are a lot of artists who are clear and vocal about it like DC Talk was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, having a song called Colored People, you know, something like that, or the first verse of um, What Have We Become? Like, I think maybe people kind of hint at it, but they aren't really, like, direct because that's, like, those are some dark lyrics to... so. I don't know. I I think it, they were pretty clear, and, and uh, seems like that might have been one of their primary missions as a band. Actually, mm-hmm. it was actually interesting because when I was listening to it earlier this week, I'd never made this connection before. But uh, you know, I'm listening to Colored People. I've heard it a million times, um, and just for the first time, though, I realized that it was basically there's a line in uh, Propaganda's Precious Puritans. Where he says something to the effect of, um, you know, I see your skin and you see mine and they are beautifully and uniquely designed. Uh, I, I forget exactly how it went, but shouldn't we celebrate that instead of pretend that it isn't there? Right. And I realized that, oh, colored people, that's the same um that's the same that's the exact same you know message mm. and yeah. that really made me it almost made me kind of change the way that i even looked at that song especially in mm. comparison to like you know michael w smith had a song color in the blind. 90s yeah color uh, blind well okay oh yeah that which is a very di- which is also a you know ra- racially a racial reconciliation track but kind of with a very different spin on it too. I'm not. I'm not sure because uh, DC Talk were actually involved in Michael W. Smith's song "Colorblind," and they made appearances oh, wow. on Michael W. Smith's "Change Your World" album, on which that song appears. But there's a very similar line in "Colored People." The bridge says, uh, "A day in the shoes of a colorblind man will make it easy for you to see." Um, that is skin and bones, blah, blah, blah. Um, it says like something like it's not a part of our humanity. I, I don't remember exactly, but it, hmm. I, I think it was, the it overall is a part of our humanity is that what uh, I'll just look up the lyrics real quick. Okay. Okay. Well, just a day in the shoes of a colorblind man should make it easy for you to see <laughs> that these diverse tones do more than cover our bones as a part of our anatomy. Huh. Do more than cover our bones. Do more than cover our bones as a part of our an- anatomy. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. That's very fascinating. Uh, yeah, that. I think I've been hearing that line wrong for so long. I mean, the mm. the point that I was making is that an older version of racial reconciliation was be colorblind, pretend like our differences don't exist and just treat people Uh, as people. Whereas hmm. a more modern form of racial reconciliation is let's not pretend our race doesn't exist, but let's honor the different races as beautiful. Let's honor our differences as a good thing while 
mm-hmm. also treating each other with equal amounts of worth. Yeah. And that and that's what this song is actually uh, to in my impression that's what this song is actually saying. Yeah. The, the very first verse I couldn't help but notice the shade of your melanin. I tip my hat to the colorful arrangement because I see the beauty in the tones of our skin. Yeah, and I remember in uh, Welcome to the Freak Show, right mm-hmm. before they do this song live, Toby talks a little bit about the song, and he, he's like, yeah, the uh, diversity of color is like, he says something like, it's, it's like um, a painting that God's creating on a canvas. So, there you hmm. go. Well, maybe they've got it right all along. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. And and you know what? They were also living it. I mean, people of different races in the band, like that was a big thing for them that they were living every concert. Uh, There was a joke I used to pull on people who weren't familiar with them, where I like show them a picture of the band and say, this group has two singers and one rapper, which is which? (laughs) (laughs) that's funny um when i when i saw dc talk live um like right before they broke up uh on the solo tour yeah yeah that was the one and only time i saw them (laughs) okay it was awesome man and um you know it was cool because um one of the members of dc talk would introduce another one of their uh solo bands to perform Mm -hmm. and they would you know they did that and Michael was like, hey, guys, I'm Michael Tate. Um, yeah, I'm the uh, African-American in the group. But no, I'm not the rapper, uh, unfortunately, because <laughs> like, everybody thought he was the rapper. Just funny. Well, I, uh, I now have even more respect for colored people, which mm-hmm. on a musical basis alone is one of my favorite songs from the album. Uh, the... I guess the first four tracks are basically unimpeachable. Um, yeah. And it's it's hard to start an album off much stronger than that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do, do either of you want to discuss uh, favorites, perhaps? or? Well, I mean, my favorite is Jesus Freak, and it has been ever since I was, like, in fifth grade. So yeah. that was a song that, like, you know... When we would do any, when we would do anything music related for a class project in school, I would do something that would related mm. to Jesus Freak. Um, <laughs> I did art projects that had lyrics of Jesus Freak. And oh, that's awesome! I, I was such a big, <laughs> I was such a big fan of that song. I was blessed to hear this album for the first time in '97, mm-hmm. and pretty. I mean, that was like right in the heat of the DC Talk mania. And um, so, you know, I actually didn't like this album the first time I heard it. it <gasps> yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, it didn't take long to be like, oh, wait a second. Every single song in this is flipping incredible. <laughs> um, but now it's, you know, it's, it's my all-time favorite album. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's the greatest album. And it's funny because, I mean, man, that was 20 years ago. That's crazy. But... uh so obviously there's kind of like ebbs and flows. Like I haven't listened to the album for a long time, but then I listened to it. Actually, I finished listening to this album like a few minutes before we started the podcast. Yeah. So it was cool to just like get refreshed as, you know, as recently as possible. And I'm like, oh my goodness, (laughs) literally every single song on this thing, like 
from the the very first second of the album to the very last second of the bonus track is just incredible. Like everything is so well thought out and creative and intentional. All the chord progressions are really interesting, creative. All the the melodies are really innovative and really peculiar. Uh, it's just like like what I think there's like ten major songs on this thing and then like some interlude bits or something some there's, there's like about 10 real songs on this yeah. thing but um each 10 each of the 10 songs in my opinion is a complete masterpiece <laughs> it's uh so it's hard to pick like favorites um especially since some of them are just kind of like i'm numb to them like jesus freak you know at some point you're just like i can't even tell if this song is good or not anymore <laughs> Um, but you know, I think like, like you guys said, sometimes it's the things that you, that aren't stuck in your head as much, like the verses in the songs that you listen to those and you're like, wow, this is really good. Um, so I think as far as favorite song on the album, it could be mind's eye or, um, what have we become actually, um, possibly, or maybe even, um, what if we stumble? It's just a, an amazing composition. What if I stumble? What if I stumble? What if we, the church, stumble? What have we become? What if I stumble? All these questions. There's actually no, uh, no question marks. two titles for Between You and Me. Uh, the, the EP release, or like the single release, said just Between You and Me on the cover. So mm. it's it's known as both. Mm. Which I've also, actually always he, called it just between you and me. Yeah, an interesting fact. That's yeah. the only crossover hit they ever had. Back, wow. Back in the 90s when a lot of Christian artists were having big hits. It still wasn't like a monster of a hit, but... Um, it, it hit like top 40, I think, in Billboard, yeah, didn't it? it did. I think it, yeah. And that's funny because honestly, it, it's hard for me to pinpoint my favorite song on, on the album, but I can definitely pinpoint my least favorite song on the album. Is it that? Which is, yeah, it's that one. Wow. Yeah, you know what? And like, even when I was a kid listening to this, I was like, man, I like every song on this album except for Between You and Me. Hmm. And it's it's only recently that it grew on me. I, I guess just because like there are very few things I can point out on this album that don't strike me as amazing but one of the few things is actually the chorus of just between you and me and it's just like i don't know it's it's good but it's not great it doesn't really hook me it's not anything that catchy or creative um so because of that that's probably i think it's probably the weakest track if there was a weakest track but it's still an amazing song it has a lot like forgiveness is the promised land. Like I actually, I yeah. think the lyrics of that one are really good. Um, I relate mm. to not being blown away by it because with me being more familiar with it from intermission, the greatest hits, I think that actually was my least favorite song. Um, but yeah. it has grown on me in time and I love the relational aspect of it. It's basically about yeah. um, personal reconciliation. Like, not letting the sun go down on your anger. And I think that's a beautiful thing mm. to have like this intimate song about and a very interesting thing to have crossover into secular yeah. radio. Um, it's just kind of bizarre that like, you know, you said this might be like 
possibly the weakest track on the album or least favorite. And this is the one that was like the crossover. It's just kind of ironic. And it's funny. I, I watched the uh, Jesus Freak Cruise on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had to check that out. And Toby introduces this song and he said he wrote it about uh, Kevin because <laughs> they were like having a fight or something. <laughs> That's awesome. Was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, if we're, ta- if we're talking about weaker moments, um, you know, I got to be honest, you know, the weakest moments on the album for me are the two interludes. I just, okay, yeah, I've, yeah. Never, I've never found Mrs. Morgan funny. I didn't find Mr. Morgan funny on intermission either. <laughs> yeah. okay. And I, did, I didn't find Mrs. Morgan part two funny on intermission either. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't get why people find that funny, I guess. Um, and who says it's, it's, they do? Well, it's just, it's quirky. Everybody can agree that it's quirky and weird. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it injects a little bit of that humor in there that, you know, was a lot more prevalent on, you know, their earlier works when they were mm-hmm. still rap artists and whatnot. Um, and then, yeah. of course, that weird Jesus Freak reprise, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, what there's two moments. Oh yeah. oh yeah, it's like a combination of meatloaf and yawn. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, those are the only two blips on the album that would make me think that it wasn't five stars, and that's definitely not enough to make me say that this album isn't five stars. So yeah, I mean, again, answer our question. I would give this album a five star review. I think that uh, it's it's one of those albums that you kind of it's kind of sacrilege. I mean, I, <laughs> there are people that don't like it, I suppose, mm-hmm. but it's kind of sacrilege to say that this isn't a good album. I, yeah. I almost feel like you know, even the people that don't really like it can say, "Oh yeah, I suppose this is a good album. It's just not a. It's just not for me," or something to that effect. Yeah, but you guys also, you're part of Jesus Freak Hideout, so don't you guys oh, I might have to biased. say that? <laughs> I, I might be biased. No. I mean, uh, if, if, you, if you talk smack about this album, you might get fired. I, we're, you know, we're 15 years away from pretty comfortably thinking, okay, this band is, is done. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we're 15 years out from looking at intermission and thinking maybe they meant to say end credits but mm. <laughs> permission permission to be a little more negative than either yeah. of you have been okay i i so to confirm what i was saying earlier about those verses being foreign like oh wow i don't remember this at all that was actually a, a bad thing um I had positive remem- memories of the choruses of What Have We Become, Day by Day, Like It, Love It, Need It. Hearing the full songs again was actually a very negative experience. Um, you I used the word very. Interesting. Yeah, I wow. really don't think those are good songs. I'm I'm at a weird point where, kind of like you were saying, uh, that to give this album not five stars seems sacrilege. <laughs> the thing is, f- with this album, 
most of my reasons to give it five stars exist outside of the album itself. It's importance in just music in general, it's impact, it's it's historical value, it's effects on our lives. And I, I spend a lot of time outside of Christian music, and it's crazy to me how often I run into secular artists who look back upon Jesus Freak very fondly as being a formational mm. album to their early wow. music days, and they're really falling in love with music, even though now they exist completely outside of Christian music and Christianity mm. in general. So I, I've seen the impact and influence and importance of Jesus Freak in so many places from the last artist that you would ever imagine being a DC Talk fan, all the way back over to, yes, our own website. But if if I were to just listen to it by itself, there's enough tracks I don't like. for It, it would be really hard for me to want to give it that five-star rating. Wow. Um, and so usually like it's it's very easy to dismiss early dc talk so most of us when we talk about their career we're mostly focusing in on their their 90s albums right the three you're holding up the, the three yeah the three exactly free yeah. at last jesus freak and supernatural if i were to give someone everything that i think they needed to be a good dc talk fan i would actually just hand them two CDs, Free at Last and Intermission. I think Intermission gives you all the songs that you need off of Jesus Freak. Um all all of the essential like required listening is on Intermission. Meanwhile, for Supernatural, I think that is a terrible album and the only two great songs are Consume Me and the title track, which are both on intermission. I think wow. the only other two good songs are Into Jesus and Godsend, mm. which Godsend appears on the greatest hits re-release from 2007, and Into Jesus yeah. was on like Wow 1999 or something. So they both get appreciated, um, but everything else on Supernatural, I think, can just be thrown out wholesale. That's um, fascinating. That's like the exact opposite opinion that I have. Really? Um, well, I'd yeah. love to hear then, uh, just quick, not to get too deep into other albums, sure. but I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on Free at Last, because that's the album oh, yeah. that I think is still a bona fide masterpiece. I think every song on that is essential listening. I think mm. even though it is very much in its time, uh, stylistically, I think it's so sold out on its time period that it holds up really well in the same way that we still listen to 80s music for its 80s mm. nature and 60s music for its yeah. 60s nature. That's a good uh, point. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, just a, um intermission, I think mm. it, it has My Will on it from the Exodus yeah. album. That's a great one-off single. It has the Say the Words remix, which is insanely mm -hmm. good. It might yeah. be my favorite DC Talk of all time. 
that Say wow, the Words okay. Now remix. And then it also, I really like the two originals that they put on Intermission, Chance yeah, and Sugarcoated. Um, I think those those hold up just fine next to all of the hits. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, a good way to, I'm, I'm a very tentative, half-hearted yes in terms of mm. is Jesus free five stars. Wow. And I say that knowing that it could get me booted off this very podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have a question. Um, you said some songs, you don't think they're good songs, and that was mainly because of the verses, right? Kind of, yeah. Not, not, what what songs are you talking about? Uh, mostly Like It, Love, and Need It, and What Have We Become. Okay. I found that, it, um, in my opinion of Jesus Freak, a lot of times I thought the verses were better than the choruses. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the verse of Jesus Freak is better than the chorus, even as hard as it is to believe that. Yeah, that's coming strictly from a, a melody perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, a lyrical perspective or, like, energy perspective. Or like, chords and melodies, I don't know, like, the... Um, most of the songs, the verses are my favorite parts of the songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's completely understandable. And there really is, like... I don't want anything negative I say about the album as a whole to go against the songs that I think are utter masterpieces. Um, Mm. What If I Stumble and In the Light might be the songs that I've personally played the most in my life. Mm. I learned how to play them very early on in me playing the guitar, and I've played them uh, just at a lot of like parties, like when you put Christian people together and you start playing one of these <laughs> DC talk songs, like mm. everyone starts singing along. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, interestingly though, uh, another negative point for the album is like the last minute of In the Light. I think that would be basically a perfect song mm. if it had ended soon enough, but mm. it goes into that like kind of Jamaican ish reggae breakdown where it sounds like michael tate is actually impersonating like an islander voice and that Hmm. that rubs me wrong so much (laughs) interesting man well that was a good conversation and um you know like this album jesus freak like from a a, from a personal perspective me being a songwriter this is actually it's it's kind of become a uh, a standard and a precedent mm-hmm. for the music that I make in my band Rusty Ship, and believe it or not, the album Mortal Ghost that we released last year that was in some ways modeled after Jesus Freak, huh? Because in my mind, Jesus Freak is just a masterpiece. Like the way that the songs kind of weave together, yeah. And there's like the, the interludes, so it kind of it hooks you for the whole album and it just keeps you on the ride you want to keep listening to the next track and the next track because of how they're so seamlessly woven together and so i kind of use that as a model for when i made my own album mortal ghost i'm like okay how can these songs transition how can there be little like sound bites in between the tracks and that it ties back to jesus freak like that was a, a artistic foundation in my own yeah. personal songwriting yeah, I could hear that. Well, speaking of transitions, uh, Russ, that was an expert, <laughs> professional transition well, from you. one topic to the next. <laughs> and I'm actually impressed. <laughs> but just to give you a proper introduction, if any of our listeners 
haven't listened to Mortal Ghost by Rusty Ship, but perhaps it sounds familiar, we spoke about it on our podcast just a few weeks ago, talking about the top albums of 2017, where this album, even as an indie release, was voted number two by our staff as uh, the, the number two favorite album of 2017. So we're very happy uh, to have you on this episode joining us. And I know you're here more for just the regular conversation rather than for us to barrage you with questions. Uh, but for sure. a little bit, we'd love to just uh, talk a little bit uh, about your experiences so far um, trying to do the indie musician thing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. And um, yeah, I have to say that, I mean, it was one of the greatest honors that we've ever been given, having our album ranked in the top 10 albums of the year. I mean, not only top 10 albums of the year, but number two. That's just mind-blowing. Um, so, like, I'm still shocked about that <laughs> to this day. And, you know, it, it's cool because Jesus Freak Hideout, I've been checking out your website for, like, the past 20 years, probably. Like, or, you know, as long as it's been out, basically. Yeah. And um, just to think that, you know, that an album that I would make years later would end up on a albums of the year list is just awesome so that's like a really it's a personal achievement for me like personally speaking and pretty amazing um so i just want to thank you guys for that and all the support you've given our band um over the past few months and last year we really appreciate that but um yeah it's interesting because my band rusty ship we're an, an independent band you know we don't have the backing of a major label or anything these days with uh the internet and technology um you know it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse because um with the power of the internet everybody like mainstream artists and indie artists are kind of on the same level playing, level playing, playing field, field. yeah it, it's kind of like like me and my band i don't i'm not on a assigned to a major record label so i don't have like a professional team of people that are my advocates working to um, promote my band with me. It's kind of like, I have to figure this stuff out myself and, um, you know, create my own team, basically create my own business. Um, but the fact is that I can do that. I can learn all this stuff. I yeah. can create my own business and I can, uh, impact people as basically to the extent of the energy that I am capable of putting into it. I can reap those rewards. Uh, which is something that artists weren't able to do even 10 years ago or, you know, especially 20 years ago. You know, the fact that an indie band could even um, make the uh, top 10 albums of the year from Jesus Freak Hideout, that's compliments to the internet and the power of the internet that, you know, that's not from, that didn't come from a major record label connection or something like that. It was a very grassroots effort, which kind of grew and built into something like that, you know. So that's it's pretty phenomenal. Speaking of mm -hmm. grassroots, I think it's worth pointing out, Russ, that you and I met mm -hmm. in person about <sighs> a year and a half ago, I think. Yeah, and something like that. I still have the business card that you gave me. <laughs> oh no way! Yeah, awesome, man. That's hilarious. Great. Okay, yeah, there you go. Positive, positive um, impact right. achieved. <laughs> so, uh, but did you ever call him back? That's the question. 
No, you know what? We we did connect on Facebook after we did. that. I think we did. Oh, okay. There we go then. Um, and that was that, and that had nothing whatsoever to do with Jesus Freak Hideout. That was just kind of random because we both live in Nashville and ran into each other. Right, at Guitar Center. Yeah, that, we we met before. I was uh, staff at Jesus Freak. Um, but I, about but, internet, you know, I, it's been said that basically nowadays anyone with an, a laptop can record an album and sell it online. So along mm-hmm. with all of the possibilities for getting your music to people who might have never heard of you otherwise there's also a lot more competition and the yeah. the market is super saturated uh, yes so totally. what what are you doing to try to stand out and what <laughs> platforms are you trying to use uh to the greatest advantage whether it's you know twitter or Bandcamp or mm. what else yeah great question well um my band is really trying hard to stand out with this whole rusty ship nautical rock and roll thing (laughs) like we're like okay we don't want to be just another rock band with you know band photos of cool tough guys standing with their arms crossed or whatever you know if you see um, a bunch of bands at a festival we want our band to be the one that people are like oh what was up with that one band with you know throwing out the nautical candy or (laughs) whatever it is that we do you have nautical candy we we do we do wow that's amazing yeah, yeah. um would it be like sea taffies is that or like seawater saltwater taffy yeah we got like these little pirate candies and then for for like the people that actually buy something we give them the good candies which is these um uh gummy octopi but Sweet. all that's to say um so we're always trying to do like interesting creative fun stuff Um, and just be different whether that is like you know the album that we made um just trying to make something that has kind of a cohesive artistic feel to it with like this underwater sound you know like um the first song in the album sea sentinels i tried to make uh guitar riffs that kind of sounded like sea monsters talking back and forth to each other just like different stuff that kind of like sirens yeah kind of like sea. they sounded like sirens yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going for. Um, so stuff like that is just different. Like, there's not a lot of bands that I know that are doing stuff like that, like trying to paint a, a picture through the um, the sound and, and stuff in, in the same way that we are. Yeah. As far as, like, making kind of a nautical underwater ghostly music. Yeah. So, so that's some of it. Something one of my college professors said that I'll never forget is that when... When you can do anything, it's hard to do something. And mm. so one yeah. of the greatest things for creativity is not just endless possibilities, but actually mm-hmm. restraint and constraints. Mm. Um, so actually yeah. having this this world for yourself to live in. And like we, we have a, a sound that we want to create and a, and a style that we want to hold on to and an image um, to grow out of it's it seems like that's something that y'all can actually like really live in for a while um oh yeah oh yeah definitely and um you know another thing like to answer the second part of your question like what social media platforms or websites are we using um i really try to hone in on facebook um because i can have one-on-one conversations with individual people Mm -hmm. and that's 
an extremely important part of the band. Obviously, I'm an artist. I want to make music, but I want to bless people with the creations that I make. And that's the the second half of being an artist is having people enjoy it. Anybody that likes our band page, I will personally reach out to them and just make the connection, even if it's just to say hi. And I think that that's something that's very important to people and very powerful. And that really goes a long way because I, I really do want there to be more than just the music. I want there to be some kind of connection yeah. um, to the individual person. I want them to feel part of something, part of a community um, that's more than just music. And, you know, Facebook allows me to do that. It's pretty amazing. So just out of curiosity, how long have you been uh, kind of in... Well, first of all, when did you move to Nashville? Because you're not originally from Nashville, correct? Right. Yeah. I, I moved from the DC area in Northern Virginia five the, years ago. The decent Christian area? The decent Christian talk area. <laughs> Where Toby and Michael are from. And actually, my dad went to the same high school as Toby Mack, believe it or not. So, oh, that's there the, we go the, then. The area I'm from. Those are my roots. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, what, what? Uh, I moved to Nashville um, about five years ago. And it was uh, pursuing music. Uh, was, the D.C. area wasn't necessarily conducive for being an artist, and especially as expensive as it is living up there and everything. Yeah, it, You can't really uh, survive if you've got a part-time job and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Nashville, I mean, the artists that I grew up listening to, you know, D.C. talk, most Christian rock bands migrated to Nashville and were kind of based here. Right. And I kind of thought, well, you know, if that's kind of like the hub of Christian rock and the music that I grew up listening to, surely that would be a great place to go to kind of find like-minded people and uh, create a band. So that's why I moved down. Yeah. What has been the most helpful thing, do you think, since since you've been in Nashville compared to when you were trying to make music in D.C.? Like, has it been the connections or has it been like the availability of like people to play with or, you know, what's kind of been the big thing? Kind of both those things you mentioned. Um, The fact that Nashville is a very creative community in general, artistic all across the board. It's pretty cool because a lot of people down here have flexible schedules. So... Like that's something you can't do in, in DC. Everybody works an eight to five job every every day. But in Nashville, like you can meet up for coffee with people at 10 a.m. or whatever. Very flexible schedules, which is more conducive for creativity and meeting with people and connecting. It's a little bit more of a laid back environment down here. Um, so there's that element of it. And then, man, talk about resources and networking opportunities down here. It's just like this is the hub of you know the music industry. So it's pretty cool. I mean, even, you know, the album that we made, Mortal Ghost, that was produced by Jay Hall, who produced the House of Heroes albums. So, and like Jay Hall is a guy that I was introduced to from a friend of mine. And it's kind of like, yeah, he'll he'll record my album because I know a guy that knows him and we live close enough that it, it can work. So, and that's just because I'm in this area. That's pretty, pretty yeah. cool. Stuff like that. And I can add on, uh, that's something really strange and peculiar about Nashville is how 
willing people are to help. Yeah. Um, whereas there's a lot of yeah. other music scenes, um, like where my brother and I came from, they're a bit more doggy dog, and like everyone is just like by themselves trying to um, hmm. reach some sort of success, versus uh, the the general atmosphere of Nashville is people trying to help each other get there. Yeah. I've experienced the same exact thing. Buckle the Bible belt. <laughs> there you go. Bill buckle the Bible belt. Holding each other's but, pants up. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. <laughs> but I've, I've experienced the exact same thing coming here, and it was a little different than what I thought I would find here. But it's pretty cool. It's like, you know what? You can be a, a successful musician and artist, and you don't have to be a jerk to be successful. Like, you can be a nice person and help people and still be successful. <laughs> I'm a jerk for completely different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> you know, you I guess suppo- I suppose thinking in terms of the future then, like mm-hmm. what, d- what do you think of uh, long-term plans of, you know, trying to remain independent? Do you think that you can continue to make a career out of being independent or, you know, where do you think that's going to end up going? You know, are you going to be looking for a record label? Like, is this independent yeah. time being spent trying to find, you know, a record label so it'll make your life a little bit easier? Like, well, how, uh, how are you approaching that? Well, you know, things are definitely very difficult because I don't have a major record label backing me. Um, even certain websites that I... Uh, we'll submit the album to, you know, it's just put in the queue with everybody else. And, you know, Chase, like you were saying, I mean, everything is ridiculously oversaturated with anybody that has a laptop. <laughs> it's like the stuff yeah. that's like really good. I mean, like in my opinion, like obviously, like I believe in my music, I think it's amazing. And I put my heart and soul into it. Um, me doing this year after year after year, crafting these songs, it's kind of a little disheartening that it's just put on the exact same scale as anybody else that just is making whatever on their laptop. It's, it's hard for me to break through to different websites, get them to rev, you know, review the album, set up interviews, that kind of stuff. I still haven't heard back from a lot of websites. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really challenging. If I had a, a record label that I was partnering with, you know, they have kind of an inside into the, into those doors um, the flip side of that is it's like, man, you have to kind of lose artistic freedom and artistic control with record labels. And, uh, you know, that's something I don't know if I'm willing to do. Um, I definitely don't want our music to sound like cookie cutter stuff or sound too polished, like the, the radio format, mm-hmm. um, as is often the case with major record labels. So I don't know. We'll have to come to that point when we get there, but... I'm kind of hoping that I can find a kind of in between where like I'd love to get onto a record label, but maybe not like the biggest record label that's going to completely dictate everything and barely give me any money. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And uh, yeah, but you know what? It's funny though, because Hey, DC talk, they were on a major record label and they still put out a, an amazing artistic, masterpiece with jesus freak those songs were not radio format i I looked at the the track list today and like the average song length is five minutes 
Like none of those songs could get played on the radio. Like they'd all have to be like, like a minute and a half would you have to get cut off? So Edited I mean, there's, down there's by the some, man. Yeah, right. So I have to say, I mean, there's some artists that can get away with that kind of stuff, having artistic interpretation. But then again, obviously, DC Talk had already kind of made it by the time they were doing that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I love that our album Mortal Ghost is like, I mean, it's like. I think it's 55 minutes long, which is really long. Um, a lot of the songs are longer than five minutes. And I don't know Ooh. if I could uh, cut those cut those down. It's like, I love, like, I love that Hotel Bible is six and a half minutes long. I think that's one of the things that makes it amazing. I personally like long songs myself, so. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when Mark forces me to listen to albums, he tends to pick... Really long albums that have really long songs on them. <laughs> hey, the album I assigned you this week isn't that long. It is a shorter album, uh, but it does have two songs that cross the seven-minute mark. Hey, but oh, it's wow. only ten songs, and like two of them are shorter than two minutes. So True. Mm. True. So, so it balances out. Well, uh, before we make that obvious transition into our next segment, uh, <laughs> Russ, what? two things. What's in the yeah. immediate future for rusty ship and how can people follow what's happening we are releasing a a new music video for our uh, single ss neuronic if anybody hasn't checked it out you should definitely check it out we're very proud of it it's um it was made by the same guy that illustrated our album cover so it's our our first uh animated illustrated music video which is pretty cool and it kind of ties into the the whole artistic feel of the music and the art so we're very proud of that. Check out that um, SS Neuronic music video. And then um, um, for the rest of the year, we've got uh, some uh, touring coming up. We're actually working on some uh, touring with different bands, including uh, Ravenhill. You guys ever heard of Ravenhill? Oh, yes. yeah. They're from Slow Speak Records. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to do some touring with them. And they're you know another Nashville rock band who we're friends with. So looking forward to that, and um, we got uh, um, some more music videos coming out this year as well, and um, our plan is um, before we release another full-length album, we're, we're going to release some singles and then uh, an EP, so that's our plan for the immediate future. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't heard the album, Mortal Ghost, check it out. It's on you know Spotify or Bandcamp, and you can go onto our website, RustyShip.com, it's Rusty Ship with two Ps, and you can actually sign up to become a shipmate. And then if you are on our uh, newsletter, you get a free download, and you get sneak peeks of music videos coming up and that kind of stuff. And we'll let you know when we're playing a, a show by your house. Uh, so you can do that. And also we're on everything else, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, yeah, so hope you check it out. And also I, I just have to say that anybody listening, I would love to personally... Um, connect with you on Facebook or send us an email. I would love to meet you and find out who you are and where you're coming from. And that's a really important to me. So look forward to uh, talking to some of you later. So yeah, thanks for having me here. All right. Thank you. So Mark, last week you made me listen to uh, something that has my name in it. <laughs> Chase the kangaroo by the choir. Uh, would you like to, and briefly explain why that album and what it means to you. 
Yeah, you know what? Um, so the choir is a band that has been around, I think, since 1984. Um, they have they've had a number of different lineups over the years, but they have had, I think, two people that have been there the whole time in Derry Doherty and Steve Hindelong, um, who are kind of you know underground background giants in this in the scene. Um, they're the guys that were responsible for those uh, City on a Hill albums that came out around the year 2000, 2001, around those years. Uh, this album that I assigned you, Chase, Chase to Kangaroo, is their first, like, mega, big, important album. It came out in the year 1988. I believe it was the band's fourth album, fourth or third full-length album, fourth album. And um, it was a big stylistic departure for them. And it really, it really became kind of a landmark for uh, Christian alternative music. And it was really influential to bands in the future, such as Jars of Clay, and really influential to Sixpence None the Richer. In fact, Matt Slocum from Sixpence None the Richer was a member of the choir for a brief time. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's a fun. That is a fun fact there, and they still do a lot of different stuff with them. I even think that uh, Derry Doherty and Steve Hindelong might have produced some of their albums. Don't quote me on that though. <laughs> but anyway, um, a few episodes ago we talked about the CCM 100 Greatest Albums list, and this album, Chase a Kangaroo, came in at number 51 on that list. So it has a very good reputation, and I'm wondering if. Chase believes that this album matches up to the reputation. Oh, by the way, uh, the choir is still around. They're still making music, and they might even have an album coming out later this year. Don't quote me on that either, though. Anyway, well, Chase, we don't need to quote you on it when you're quoting yourself on it. But uh, listening this past week to Jesus Freak and Chase the Kangaroo, it's a weird comparison to an album that I've known my entire life and an album that's brand new to me. But I was actually more enjoying this album. <laughs> I uh, I don't have too much detailed things to say about it, except I will say this. Everybody in the band appreciates you, Mark. Yay! But what about Leo? Other than that, um, <laughs> no, just you. Um, the poor Leo. I... I, I can't get too much into it, but this is a great album. I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's an incredible thing if you can say that your best songs on the album are your longest. <laughs> That's it. it. has an impressive feat. And tracks three and four are both over seven minutes long, Clouds and Sad Face. Those are probably my favorite songs, but not by a long shot. I don't think um, that the other songs fall short by any means um and they're they're, those are followed by kane and the rifleman which are also standouts um but i'm i'm hugely appreciative for sad face um the the whole you know concept of the song is that being sad it can actually be good for your heart which you know i look to inside out as this emotionally important album and you know even just a year ago paramore released the album after laughter where a lot of the lyrics are about like 
I need to stop trying to be happy all the time. When life is sad, I need to just be sad and that's okay. Um, And I think that's wonderfully portrayed lyrically and musically in Sad Face. It's one of those songs that I wish I had been listening to my entire life. I I would have loved if this album had been in my repertoire um, since the 90s. But it's, it's here now and I'm happy to have it. So... Yeah, the um, inspiration for that song actually was um, Derry Doherty. Um, it was written after his, him and his wife's second miscarriage. And so it was coming from, you know, obviously that's a really tough place. Christian music doesn't need to be happy and smiles. Christianity is not supposed to be just happy and smiles. Um, you know, sometimes we need to linger in the grave for three days. Um, like there, there are actually like verses in the Bible that talk about how, uh, like sadness can be used by God for our sanctification that, um, that, uh, like those who sow in sadness will reap enjoy things along those lines um that i think that there's a maturity to the lyrics on this album that while i haven't dug into the lyrics very much um it actually like like i think seems like they get it like there's um these aren't songs written by rambunctious kids who just want to get out of their parents garage and go tour um you know it seems like these are actually like lived in songs um, from Christians living out their faith, which is always an encouraging thing to hear in Christian music. I, that seems like a, a, a dumb, obvious thing to say, but uh, unfortunately, it's not always an easy thing to find. Thanks for mm-hmm. forcing me to listen to it. Hey! Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, check out the rest of the choir's albums, too, so you ready for my assignment? Hit me, Chase. What do you got? Um, all right. My assignment for you this week is Awaken the Dawn by Keith and Kristen Getty. Awesome. I've yes. actually... Ne- I've never listened to Keith and Kristen Getty themselves. I've obviously heard... Like, you know their of- songs. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, kn- I know their songs. Um, actually, fun connection here. You know what? Um, the song In Christ Alone, which is obviously the most famous song that Mm -hmm. Keith Getty has probably written. Wait, did he write that or did he just do the music? I don't know. He he wrote it with Stuart Townsend. Townend. Stuart Townend, yeah. Um, but yeah. So the first album that that song was ever released on was an album called New Irish Hymns. And Stuart Townend and... Uh, and Keith Getty wrote all the songs on there. And uh, there were four, uh, not four, there were three uh, lead vocalists on that album. Uh, Margaret Becker, uh, Moya Brennan, and then the third one is Joanne Hogg, who is the lead singer of Iona. Iona. (laughs) I bet you could see where I was going with that one. Yep. So So, uh, fun connection there. Continue, yeah, I, I really wasn't listening to much um, worship music when this album was introduced to me. 
I definitely wasn't listening to hymns other than maybe at this point I might have started listening to the hymns album by Ascend the Hill. Um, oh, such a good album. Right. So uh, this one uh, was a bit of a paradigm shift for me. It might be my favorite Keith and Kristen Getty album, but I've come to really love two others at this point. So maybe I'll sign those later. But Awaken the Dawn, I think, is a great place to start. So look forward to hearing your thoughts. All right. And I will definitely look forward to hearing it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. This has been the JFH podcast. And it is pronounced Dibiase. The JFH podcast is hosted by Mark Rice and me, Chase Tremaine. Production editing and music is also by me. The podcast is executive produced by John DiBiase and Christopher Smith. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, please send an email to Christopher at JesusFreakHideout.com. Thanks again to this week's sponsor, The Lighthouse Events. Do go to TheLighthouseEvents.com forward slash festivals to read more about the events that you can be going to this summer. And don't forget to go to JesusFreakHideout.com to vote for the JFH Awards 2018 while you still have a chance.